Um, I was raised typical 90s kid, little neighborhood, ate all the normal, you know, processed food, did all the normal things. But I've always had this weird desire or craving ever since I was a, a little girl that I wanted to live in the country and I wanted to be on a farm and I wanted, you know, horses and other farm animals. You're listening to the Mindful Parenting Podcast, episode number 428. Today, we're talking about how to get back to the earth with your kids with Jill Winger. Welcome to the Mindful Parenting Podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Parenting, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you get calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 25 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting course, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids, and now raising good humans every day. 50 simple ways to press pause, stay present, and connect with your kids. Welcome back to the Mindful Parenting Podcast. So glad you're here. I hope you're subscribed so you don't miss any episodes. Uh, So, of course, you've been seeing the Mindful Parenting for Kids episodes, right? Because you're subscribed, I hope so. These are a special gift for you. Uh, We've been giving you these Thursdays. Also, if you get some value from the Mindful Parenting Podcast, please go over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. You can click on it right from where you're listening to this right now. There's like a little blue link that says leave a review just helps the podcast grow more and it really doesn't take very long and I really really appreciate it in just a moment I'm going to be sitting down with Jill Winger founder of the Prairie Homestead one of the foremost homesteading websites since 2010 and she is dedicated to helping others learn how to grow their own food and live a more fulfilling old-fashioned life Her practical and authentic style of teaching and storytelling has won the hearts of thousands of homesteaders across social media, and she has the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast and the best-selling Prairie Homestead cookbook. And we're going to talk about getting back to the earth. I don't know. I feel like this, right? Like, life can get really busy, and maybe you feel really busy with your family life, and sometimes you just like to go back to the way we used to live, like slower, more intentional closer to the earth. And that's what this conversation is all about, how we can slow down and become more grounded through our everyday activities. So join me at the table as I talk to Jill Winger. Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to Mindful Parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you've taken bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful Parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful Parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child, no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. 
That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. Well, Jill, thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Parenting Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. I'm excited to talk to you, too. And we're going to be talking about old-fashioned things like growing your own food and eating your own food and things like that. But first, before we kind of dive into that, I want to start with you. And how were you raised and how would you describe your childhood? Yeah, so I was actually raised really conventionally. A lot of people are surprised. They assume I came from a big ranch or farm family, but I didn't. Um, I was raised typical 90s kid, little neighborhood, ate all the normal, you know, processed food, did all the normal things. Uh, but I've always had this weird desire or craving ever since I was a, a little girl um, that I wanted to live in the country and I wanted to be on a farm and I wanted, you know, horses and other farm animals. And everyone around me, I think, thought I would outgrow it. And it was kind of like that cute little saying, pat you on the head, like, oh, how nice, darling. And um, as I got older and into my high school years, uh, it, it wasn't going away. And I started to dig in deeper and I, you know, turned 18 and uh, people are like, what are you going to do for college? What are you going to do with your life? And um, long story short, I couldn't find anything that felt compelling. And I ended up coming to Wyoming, uh, 1200 miles away from my childhood home to pursue a career in the horse industry. Um, so that kind of started me on this path to just doing things unconventionally, not being afraid to live off the beaten path. And that ultimately led, ultimately led me to meet my husband and buy our homestead. And here, we, here I am doing all the homestead things ever since. Okay. So I love this because my, my daughter's super into animals and horses and things like that. And I used to ride. But, um, but what, like, so when you say homestead, I think Little House on the Prairie, like that, it's like been, you know, and, and homestead in some ways has like a bad rep, right? Because homesteading was like how we, you know, a lot of, you know, colonists, took yes. the country. And so what do you mean by saying homestead in a modern context? Yes, that's a great question. And it can be really confusing with the different definitions. I think a lot of times people instantly just think about it in historical terms, like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, the government's going to give you free land. How does that work? And I'm like, no, the Homestead Act no, is no longer in, you know, in practice. It expired in the 70s. You can't do that. So it's really not about getting free land or having a certain piece of land. And you're right. There is a lot of pushback sometimes when you do talk about homesteading in a historical sense. It wasn't always great and done with great intention. And there was some definite issues with it. And so I, I kind of steer clear of those historical connotations surrounding the word. And I like to to call it more like modern homesteading. And what I or how I define that rather is is less about a certain um, size of property or a certain number of farm animals that you have or, you know, a certain like checking the boxes. And it's more about just moving through life with a certain type of awareness and really pushing back against what I call the industrial paradigm that we're all very much um, kind of entrapped in in our modern world, often without realizing it. Um, that's been shaping everything we do as a society for about the last 100, 150 years. And just starting to question that a little bit. And that looks really different for different people. You might mean you want to you know, sell everything and move to the country and get a milk cow and chickens. It might mean that you stay where you are and just start thinking about what you're eating and how your choices are impacting the environment, um, how you're raising your family, how you're interacting with your community. So that's kind of that latter definition is, is really what I lean into when I think of the term homesteading. Okay. All right. I appreciate what you're saying about kind of pushing back against the industrial paradigm. And I think that, you know, what I've seen with that is, you know, there's the push to be like that everybody is our, you know, we are these sort of individual little units like industrial units yeah. and that we're pushed to like live super far away from maybe where we grew up because of because that you know that should be normal even though you know where we may not be supported by our community or you know it's like a push towards consumption a yes. push towards yes. busyness a push towards yes. like really like even with things like experiences accumulating them and having them be like really sort of commercialized and kind of that's I don't I don't know if that's what that you're nodding your head you're, that yeah, sounds like what you were thinking of too dead on and I think that the, you mentioned consumerism which is one of the most fascinating pieces of it for me because I think that shaped so much of our culture today we don't even realize it um, but that was a, a big push around the turn of the century and we're still feeling the effects so yeah it's just it's just being aware it's just starting to think through those things and ask ourselves questions if that really serving us is that is that what's best for us? And if not, how can we 
take a different path. Okay, cool. So I I love this. So you talk about living old fashioned on purpose, and I I can I can kind of understand the appeal of that, right? I mean, because in in my family we very much walk the middle path. Um, but there's a lot of things that really worry me about the way our culture is. You know, le- there was, I remember when my oldest daughter was two and my husband was like, we should do this little programming program for a two-year-old. And I'm like, should we though for a two-year-old? I'm not sure. Like, I, I, I remember having a lot of worries about screen time and things like that. And yet, you know, that is like clearly the direction we're going in. I, but I think a lot of people in the Mindful Parenting Podcast audience, you know, worry about those directions. So can you kind of describe, I, I just want to kind of paint a picture a little bit more. Maybe you can describe kind of a day in the life with you and your kids and and how that goes along. Yeah. So that kind of varies depending on the time of year. Um, we homeschool. So that's a big part of our, you know, our school year. We're here. The kids, you know, wake up there in charge of chores and they have been for quite a few years um, now that they're a little bit older. And so I try to give them a lot of autonomy. And I think the homestead really sets the stage for that in a beautiful way, gives them built in responsibility and problem solving experiences. And so they get up, they do chores, um, take care of the animals. We, we, in the school year, we, we do our school together. We usually wrap up um, late morning around lunchtime. And that's when then they're kind of free to do learning part two, the books go away, um, the flashcards get put in the cabinet and they go outside and usually just run, run, explore, play, create. Now that they're getting a little bit older, there's a lot of building. There's a lot of um, taking things apart and putting them back together. And so um, that's kind of, you know, when I look at childhoods across history, you know, we parent so differently now, as you know, I'm sure from all your with your books and research, we parent so differently now than we used to. And that's not to say that every parenting practice this of yesteryear was fantastic because there was definitely things that weren't great. Um, but one of the things when I'm letting the past inform my reality, which is one of the things I love to do is mixing the past, the best of the past with our modern um, world, is I just look at how much more freedom those kids had back in the day to learn, play, explore, experience natural consequences in a healthy way. Obviously, that can go too far. So you still have to be present to make sure they're not getting hurt or anything. But um, I just like a lot of those ideas that I think sometimes accidentally get taken away in our modern world. And so in terms of just like how I bring old fashioned ideas into parenting, I think that's the biggest is is letting the homestead just kind of inform a lot of what we do. I really appreciate that. Uh, that push towards like some freedom and autonomy. I think that's really been taken away from kids. Yeah. And for me, like with my kids, it was... Um, it wasn't something like I ha- I had a lot of freedom and autonomy and I wanted my kids to have that. Did you have that too? Or did, did you, were yeah. you pretty much more circumscribed in your 90s? Well, I was homeschooled. So that I was mm-hmm. actually, you were actually one of the early, you know, 90s homeschoolers were kind of homeschool pioneers a little bit. Um, it's not, wasn't mm-hmm. as well accepted as it is today. Uh, so that was my one unconventional piece of childhood. And I, with that, my my mom could be a little helicoptery at times, but she also we we had a uh, some open space behind our housing development and this old railroad tracks that you know, trains didn't go on anymore, and so we would spend hours and hours and hours with our friends in the neighborhood playing back behind there. And so I feel like I had a little taste of that country rural vibe of a childhood, mm-hmm. even though I was raised in a subdivision. And so having that freedom, I still remember what it felt like, even though we weren't far from the house. Like I remember the adventure and that excitement of catching frogs without any adult sneer or building a fort. And I think that has helped me as I've, you know, became a parent and my kids get older. That's just those little glimpses have helped me kind of develop my own philosophy here on the homestead, even though I wasn't raised in it. Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcast right after this break. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. 
So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. We are supported by Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math Mysteries About True Histories. It's a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. I highly recommend this podcast. It's really wonderful, especially if you have kids like around like six plus, but it can totally be enjoyed by the whole family. So I listened to the episode, The Pirate Queen, and you're just dropped right in the middle of the action. People are fighting. There's sword fight. And then these kids, they've gone on a time travel mission and they have to solve problems in the midst of it. And it really just like exemplifies everything we support here at Mindful Parenting. You know, kids who are adventurous, doing things on the world, they're capable. And then they do things like they have to do math, they have to think critically, they have to code break and pattern solving and all this great stuff. Beyond just the Pirate Queen episode, which I highly recommend, episodes transport listeners to moments in history, too, like Pythagoras, Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. So jump in with your family. Follow the adventures of Max and Molly on an adventure through time with puzzles and hidden equations and laughs. And it really does make learning really fun and really cool. Perfect for ages six and up. New episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids, and you can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. That's Mysteries About True Histories. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Actually, my first friend was a homeschool kid. She was, she lived behind me. Um, and we did cool stuff like uh, I learned how I dipped candles. And oh, cool. uh, we had the most outrageous like Lego, like, you know, spread that you could possibly, we made, we made little Lego water beds out of like um, uh, plastic baggies. That's awesome. And where we lived, it was like kind of like a little bit post-industrial, like there was a shipbuilding mm-hmm. place uh, on the street. And so our, our, we, we definitely roamed around, but like the roaming included like there was like a, a, a forgotten corner of like a, a factory where there was an old, uh, there was an old car. It was a convertible that was like, oh my gosh, we would prevent, we would pretend to drive this car yes. constantly. It was, Still- it was great. But you still have those memories, which always fascinates me. The things we remember, it's those things. It's like that. It's just the simplest times when you were left to explore and adventure. And it means something. It really matters to kids. Yeah. Yeah. And more and more, we're realizing, too, like how important it is for their development to have that autonomy, to have that free play, to be able to come up with their own solutions and all of those things and have non-adult-led thing Uh, like plenty of non-adult-led time in their life it seems yes incredibly important and this is obviously one way to do it i I imagine your kids like they may be 
pretty immune to allergies too, right? Because like if you have a lot of exposure to animals, there that's like I've I've read this is okay, dear listener, don't quote me on this because I don't know where this came into my brain, but that you if you have a lot of exposure, like farm animals have the least amount of allergies of anyone because of just the exposure. Yes, the farm kids. Yes, yes. Okay, I do. I've Very seen cool. those, and they're they're fascinating. Now, my kids, I will say, my I have hay fever. My husband has hay fever, and our genetics somehow no. passed along some hay fever. It's not like you know, life threatening, crazy, but they still get sniffly when they're around some grass. There's certain grasses our family just doesn't love. Again, not life threatening. It's more annoying than anything. But there, I do think their immune systems are strong. Like ever since they were little, just accidentally, they eat dirt. Like they're just you, you know, no matter how much you wash their hands when they're out in the barnyard with you, they're just it's in their mouth and. It's shocking to me, um, you know, we have such a culture of that's fear of germs. And obviously there are bacteria, there is bacteria that is harmful. But um, how much, <laughs> how dirty your children can be in within reason in a healthy way and it doesn't make them sick. You know, my kids still eat carrots straight out of the garden. They brush their, the dirt off and eat them. And I, I'm like, it doesn't bother me. I, th- I just think it just is building those healthy immune systems. Okay, so this is great. So what are some... Like, so for the listener who's like, I don't have a homestead and I may not be having a homestead anytime soon. What are some old fashioned maybe skills or things that your average parent can take into their lives that maybe you recommend? Yeah. So I, I tell everyone the very best place to start. I don't care if you have 100 acres or you live in an apartment in New York City. Start with your food. Just start asking questions about what you're eating. Um, just start thinking about it. You're, you're eating probably three times a day or so. Um, so that's giving you lots of opportunity. And obviously, sometimes you're going to be busy. You're just going to do what you can do. But, you know, I, I guarantee you, probably everybody has at least a couple meals a week where you can put a little more thought or intention into it. And that doesn't mean you need to go whole hog all at once. It just means start uh, potentially cooking a little bit more from scratch. Like if there's something you find yourself buying a lot or you something you really enjoy, is there a way that you could make a version of it at home? Um, kind of by default, what happens when we start cooking from scratch, we also start to eliminate some of the processed ingredients that are so prevalent. And so, you know, just getting to the point where you're able to buy more ingredients at the grocery store versus buying ready-made packaged meals, just try to, to weave that in a little bit more, whether it's making your own gravy making your own biscuits, learning how to roast a chicken. Um, You can make your own yogurt uh, at home. You can make your own sour cream at home. Just like find something that seems interesting to you and just start weaving that into um, your routine and see what happens. Because I find that when people start to do that, it gets pretty exciting. I just, even people who aren't super nerdy in the kitchen like I am, it feels good to be creating. And it's kind of this snowball effect where they they make something, they like the taste, they like the experience, and they do more and more. And it starts to impact their life in a really beautiful way. Yeah, I I don't love cooking, but I learned how to roast a chicken at one point, of course. Yes. And yes. I was like, oh, wow, a roast chicken is quite, you know, very delicious. Of course, you can do it at home. But then the thing that I learned that I love that's like pretty homesteady, I guess, is that is making stock. And I always think that's so great. So whenever I have vegetables, I just take all the ends of the vegetables and I put them in a freezer bag, like all the ends of the tomatoes, the lettuce, whatever. I just put it all in a freezer bag and then I save the chicken bones. And then I always have these vegetables in the freezer. And then whenever I'm done, I have some chicken bones. I make my own stock. And that is like the most useful Yes. It makes everything taste good. I love making soups. Soups are like turn out to be incredibly easy. It's like other food with more liquid. It's great. And it's easy. So that's my my plug for for maybe an easy starter uh, crunchy homestead step that you can take to your listener. (laughs) I think homemade broth is one of the best things because it tastes like you like everything you said, it tastes so much better than the store-bought. Like it's, you can't really buy good store-bought broth. You just, it's brown water basically. Um, and it's so thrifty. Like you're using stuff you would normally toss in the garbage and it just, I don't know, just feels good. Don't you think it just is like, I every time I do it, I'm like, I'm creating something from nothing. It just is this funny little rush of yes for whatever reason yeah so no it feels good it's like i like i'm creating something from something i would have thrown away and now it kills me like at thanksgiving you know i like sometimes we throw and i'm like oh wow that could make a lot of soup yeah but you know oh well hey i have no shame i have brought home other people's turkey bones before 
I mean, I didn't dig it out of the garbage. <laughs> I asked them for it before they put it in the garbage. Just saying. Just saying. I am I am hardcore, I suppose. So Okay, good. And are there any other like places with food that you would recommend like someone start like a a, a good thing that we could do homemade? The other thing I make homemade is um I make homemade granola just because mm-hmm. it's really yummy. Um, I have a good recipe where you don't have to stir it. I don't know. It's easy. It's not yes. bad. I don't know. What do you What do you think, Jill? Yeah, I think if people aren't gluten free, and I know a lot of people are these days, breads are really gratifying. There's something that is just just feels right about kneading dough or working with dough. I think it's just just an elemental part of being human because we've been connected to bread for so long in different ways. So if you're not gluten free, try a homemade biscuit or a homemade pie crust or a simple yeast dough. I mean, the marketers have told us now for decades that it's that bread is just too hard for the average um, home cook. And it's just not it's just not true. Like, it's so simple. And you can make so many breads with just flour and water and yeast and salt. Doesn't have to be sourdough, although sourdough is super fun. Um, But that's something I see when people start making the breads. Even the the people who really don't love cooking, don't claim to love cooking, get really excited. Um, Another thing to try is see what you can grow in your windowsills. If you you know, don't have a yard or a garden or see what you could grow on a patio or in pots. Because if, even if it's just herbs or some lettuce greens, you can get that fresh flavor and those fresh veggies. Uh, and you don't have to go to the market because, uh, you know, herbs go bad quickly. I find that's the most frustrating part of fresh herbs is they, you buy them and then the next day they're slimy and you're like, I just wasted $6 on that. Um, so try grow, growing them yourself. It gets your hands on the soil. It gets you kind of connected to the rhythms of nature and it just tastes really good. I really need to do that. I live on like a quarter acre forest, basically. We have something like 40 trees on a quarter acre. Nice. So I don't have any, I don't have any sunshine to grow anything. I do, we do actually do like a community garden in the summer, but I have to kind of to walk all the way over there. It's it's not, it's not so convenient. But so I'm thinking maybe like, I don't know, maybe I get a grow light. Um, That's been something I've been contemplating trying over the years, but I haven't done yet. Yeah, you can do a lot. Like I have um, a grow light rack system. I just DIY'd it in my basement because I start all my little mm-hmm. baby seedlings in the winter. It's too cold to do anything outside. And so, I, yeah, just do shop fluorescent shop lights and things go really well. So I'm sure you could do the same with herbs or other, you know, lettuce greens, whatever. That's so cool. I might do that out here in the Mindful Parenting Podcast studio. That would be fun to have. That'd be so herbs, cool. Just yeah. kind of growing while I do my podcast. I would really like <laughs> Yes. Okay, cool. So this all takes some time. And I know you're kind of pushing back against our kind of post-industrial, you know, our industrial kind of like rush, rush, rush. I think that might be part of it. But what do you say to people who are like, Jill, this sounds great. Like, I would love to make my own stock. I would love to grow some vegetables. I would love to maybe even have chickens in my backyard or whatever. But I don't have any time. What do you say to that that, uh, complaint? Um, it's a common one, you know, and I think we're all we're all busy as modern people. I definitely um as over the years my life has morphed from just being the homestead mom to now I'm running businesses. I have, you know, entrepreneurial ventures. So I contrary to what a lot of people think, I'm not just sitting around the house all day, you know, canning tomatoes in my apron. I'm just not. Like I I live a very hybridized life of modern and old. And I kind of like it that way, honestly. I need both parts of my life. And so like most people, uh, I am also balancing child activities and and business responsibilities with the rest of the things I want to do. And what I come back to over and over again is why I continue to do these old-fashioned things that do take time and effort, even though technically from an outside look in, I don't have time for it, is um, the benefits it brings me is worth it. And so when I really sink into that, I realize it's worth prioritizing. And I think we always can prioritize things that we find to have value um, in our lives. And so one of one of the ways I do that is we push back against some of the industrial paradigm by we do we do say no to certain things like we we put our kids in activities but not an activity every night of the week and i know all families are different and there's lots of different considerations but you know i kind of push back against that that backseat culture where the kids you know are constantly being shuttled here and there again we do do some sports we do do some 4h and things but we try to be really intentional with that which frees up more time for not only the kids to have free space where they can explore and create but also it keeps our family um, feeling a little more uh, sane and, and manageable. And so we're, we're try, I try to be really careful how we schedule. And then I think the other piece is, is I've replaced a lot of the passive activities of leisure like that are t- tend to be really 
consumption-based, like watching Netflix Mm -hmm. or going out to movies or going shopping, right? That's how like a lot of people would relax or, or find their rest time. And I have learned to replace those. Still do it sometimes. I'm not saying I'm a purist, but I replace a lot of that with gentle activities that are based around the homestead. And so I've learned that I, when I at night when I'm tired, I have a choice. I could zone out on Netflix, or I can go mill around in the garden. Not hard labor in the garden, you know. Not like sweating. There's a time and place mm-hmm. for that. But you know, I find that I'm more recharged. My cup is more filled when I choose to go out and mill around the garden in the evenings. Gentle weeding, gentle pruning, checking on things versus just mindlessly consuming all the time. And so that's one of the ways I think just replacing that sort of leisure with a different sort of leisure has gives us more time than maybe most people think is possible. Does did I answer the question? Yeah, and I com- I am completely with you. I'm maybe the East Coast equivalent of <laughs> we're we're sandwiching the states and that saying that yes, we should be pushing back against this like incredibly ch- chock full schedule. Like that's if it's stressful for you, it's definitely stressful for your kids and that it has detrimental effects for kids. I I firmly believe that. And it, it sounds like though at you know, to kind of reply to what you're saying about doing sort of quiet activities like milling around the garden. I mean, it sounds like, you know, I teach mindfulness and mindfulness is a, a practice of practicing to intentionally be in the present moment mm-hmm. and to intentionally let go of our, you know, to practice releasing our thoughts, releasing our worries, you know, knowing that they will come back. 10 bazillion times, but, but releasing them and then coming back to the present moment, uh, allowing some ease, a practice of ease, a practice of peace, cultivating that consciously, a practice of ease and peace in your life. And, and I'm kind of hearing that is what you're doing in this like sort of quiet time. Is that right? It is. It really is. Yeah. And I, I've often said like, because I do have a cerebral career, if you want to call that with my, with my online businesses, I'm I'm answering emails. I'm checking social media. I'm, you know, bam, 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 podcast interview here, writing a blog post here. So I have, my brain goes quickly. And there are times of the day that I love that. I love that um, challenge. But at the end of that, or if I do too many days of that in a row, I start to feel very scattered and very frazzled. And so I've often said, like, I go to the garden to bring myself back into my body. Like, that's how I get back just to feel human. I feel like my adrenaline leaves, my breathing slows. And there's just something about, I mean, you can you can get the same effect absolutely by going for a walk or just being quiet outside. But there's something about mixing with plants and soil um, that it just, I think it it makes it even easier or more gratifying. And so, yeah, I, I really see now these days, I think back in the day I started gardening because I wanted vegetables. And now I garden because it keeps me ment- mentally healthy. It keeps me feeling grounded and centered. And the vegetables are kind of a side effect. Mm. Yeah, I think that we are missing that. You know, we are, we're animals on this earth, right? Like we're cells of the earth body. Like we, it's not like something that's really separate from us. I don't know if you've seen it, Jill, but there's these incredible, there's these beautiful videos. I saw a video of, um, uh, it was like really high up of like uh, people entering the water at the beach, right? Like, and it was kind of like people coming into the water, people coming out of the water. And it looked exactly like cells in like a mm-hmm. human body, like just yeah. the the cells entering, the cells leaving and the, like a blood flow and something like that. It was fascinating. Yeah. And I feel like that sometimes we get into a place where we have stress and our societies, our society's answer to that is like distract yourself on your yes. phone. Like it, it'll feel good to th- scroll through, through Instagram. And sometimes I do that. Yep. But basically it adds more, more of that information, more scattered, you know, diffusion, more ultimately like more stress where you're and and we kind of have we're acclimating to that. I can really see we're actually acclimating to that. So it can be hard to just be in the kitchen, make something without listening to a podcast or just be out in the garden without putting in our earbuds to do yes. to do something else at the same time. And I think this is kind of the underlying context of what, you know, why I was really fascinated. You know, I was fascinated with the idea of sort of this old fashioned homesteading thing is because it's this idea of we can be intentional about being present. Yeah. And connecting and and choosing the places where we maybe want distraction, but not letting it be the default. 
Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcasts right after this break. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. I think people assume maybe I have it all figured out or I never struggle with social media or feeling that frenetic like mind space that is so prevalent in our culture, but I still struggle with it. And there are days when I'm like, okay, I can go to the garden or I can scroll Instagram and Instagram wins. And then I just take note at the end of that. I'm like, you don't feel any better, Jill. That wasn't relaxing. You feel more scattered. And, you know, like note to self make a better choice next time. So it's not that it's, you know, I don't have the the lifestyle where I can just completely disconnect from modernity all the way, right? We can't, we're not really interested in going off grid and we're not interested in joining a commune and we're not interested in, you know, completely ditching all technology. I like some of the fruits of that, but I think in our, in this time now more than ever, especially as technology just keeps getting faster and bigger and more all consuming, we have to be able to break away and be intentional with what we're doing. And, you know, I, I think there's lots of ways to do that. But man, when you're out in nature and you're, you're just being just part of nature instead of um, just a spectator, I think it's one of the easiest ways to just kind of trigger all the pieces of our body to be like, hey, remember how this feels? Remember how this works? Like, this is important. Pay attention. Okay, so let's, I love this. So let's talk about like with your kids. And so you told me that your kids are 13, 10, 7, I love it. They're off doing chores. They're homeschooling. They're running around. Now that we understand a little about your mindset and what you're thinking about, what are you doing to, you know, what is your stance as far as technology goes in your house and your family? Yeah. So we're pretty, we're pretty careful. Um, My oldest daughter, she has a flip phone because she's has a little part-time job and she's out and about more. And so we actually had a, a little bit legitimate need for her to be able to call us at times. Um, but we've made the family agreement that the kids won't have smartphones until quite a, quite a ways into high school, if not, you know, by the, maybe when they leave the house, they can choose to add smartphones into their life. Um, we, we have iPads that they use sometimes for, home, for our homeschool research, but they don't have free reign. Um, actually, this is kind of a controversial topic on my platform. I, we'd always let them watch some TV, you know, it's like a Netflix documentary or some sort of kids show in the afternoons. And I started doing that when they were little because, you know, the witching hour is a mother when you're trying to make supper yeah. and everyone's grouchy. And I'm like, just watch Octonauts for an hour and we'll all be happier. And so we've kind of kept that routine up until, as they've gotten older. And last fall, um, and, and then sometimes we'd also watch a show together as a family in the evenings. And, and last fall, my husband and I kind of looked at each other and we realized that even though we weren't, the TV wasn't on all the time, you know, we were still eating supper as a family. We were still doing a lot of things without the screen. We were just like kind of gravitating more and more towards, you know, vegging on the couch instead of other activities. And it wasn't like it was completely out of control, but we just saw ourselves using that as a default activity a little little more than we were comfortable with. So we chose to go on a TV fast starting last December. Um, We decided to try it for three months, all of us. 
and just see what else we could do or create or engage in during that time when we'd otherwise be watching a show. Um, that, Your kids? Oh, go ahead. Were they okay with it? Like, what did they say? Or was there some convincing you had to do? You know, it was, I, was, I wasn't sure how it would go over. But by the time when we presented it to them, we explained why. We explained what we wanted, you know, what we were concerned about. We explained that we, you know, mom and dad were also kind of falling into this rut of just turning on a Netflix show when we were tired. And, and so they, they listened and they actually didn't push back as much as I thought. I think also they had kind of got to that point. Do you ever just like, I mean, I do it. You watch the shows on Netflix you want to watch, but then the series is over. So you just find yourself ra- watching random things that are mildly interesting just so you can watch a show. And I think they were doing that more and more where they didn't have anything they were finding particularly engaging. They just were watching TV for the sake of watching it. And so they were they kind of were like, yeah, you know, we're kind of feeling like we're just turning on the TV because we can. Um, so they didn't give us as much pushback as I thought. We also tried to make sure they knew, OK, well, here's the activities that can take its place. So no one felt like it was just this vacuum of blankness where then they had. What to, were they? You know, um, we Well, we decided we would start um, having family reading nights because it's cold and dark here in the winter. And so we'd build a fire in the wood stove. We had some old kerosene lanterns we'd light. We'd make tea and everyone would read by lantern light, you know, just for fun, just to make it more cozy. And they loved it. Like they were begging for those nights as much as we could have them. Um, we got out some board games they forgot they had. They taught themselves how to play chess with this little chess set that teaches kids how to DIY the chess strategy. And um, we got some leather working tools so we'd go out to the shop, our shop in the evenings and practice some leather work, um, which they thought was pretty cool, and braiding some rope and some rawhide. So we we tried to give options so they just didn't feel like it was a blank slate. Uh, but it, we had the best winter. Like it's we have long dark winters, cold winters, and we had the best winter. Um, so we we have not yet turned our Netflix back on since then. We will watch an occasional documentary on Amazon Prime about once a month or so, and that's it. And we're as a family, we've all kind of agreed that's that's good for us. I'm not to say that's the right path for everyone, but that was kind of a cool revelation that we had that I'm I'm thinking we're going to stick on that for a while. Wow. Um, I'm a little jealous. I kind of want to move in. I'm reading night with you guys. It's so night. Nice. <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's amazing. Um, all right. So... So are there any final ways you can share with us? I love this idea. This is like painting a picture of something that's really beautiful to me. Um, are, do you have any other easy ways to implement ideas of this sort of old-fashioned, on-purpose lifestyle in our own homes? Yeah. Um, so I think another another big way that people often overlook is just consider your community and how you're engaging in the mm-hmm. community around you. You know, it's one thing to have relationships on phone or on your social media, but it's, it's a rapidly disappearing art to be able to connect face to face and to be involved just in what's happening around you. Whether you live in a little town or I actually live near a little town, I don't live in it, but you live near a little town like us or you live in a big city. There's there's groups and there's little clutches of activity and people that you can tap into. And I think that that's becoming more and more rare just as we lean on social media and our screens for that connection. It's OK, but it's not the same as looking someone in the face and having that eyeball to eyeball connection. And so I think if if people want a really cool old fashioned way to bring some changes into their life, just try that. See how you can get involved. See how you can meet the neighbor next door that you've never really connected with. See if you can have a potluck for the people around you. It, you know, just meet new faces. How can you improve what's what's going on in your community? That that goes a long way. And I think it it feels really good. It's an old fashioned skill that we're we're losing and it feels really good to come back to that. I love this. this. That truly is an old-fashioned suggestion, but it makes so much sense that in, often we're not really thinking about it. I think this is so great because like a lot of times on this podcast, we're talking about breaking generational patterns, the ones that have been harmful for us. And I think this is such an important conversation to have. Like, well, what are the the genera- You know, what are the things that we do want to hold on to? What, what yeah. can we hold on to without throwing the baby out with the bathwater there, right? Like, yeah. There's some some wisdom there in the past that, you know, that we should maybe bring in to have a more grounded life because this is all just like sounding so grounded to me. And, and I'm going to be just moving in with Jill and yeah, for, come on for out and reading my book. <laughs> yeah. Let's read the book by the fire. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jill, for coming on the Mindful Parenting podcast and sharing, you know, your 
your work and your book and a little peek into your life with us. I think it's um, I think it's really, really a valuable thing that, you know, that we need to to remember. Let's remind each other of these things. Like, let's remind each other of these simple things that you can just take some time with something simple like walking in the garden or take some time with something simple like making a roast chicken or whatever it is and use that as a way of grounding yourself instead of, you know, anchoring into social media and all the different things. Yeah. Um, where can people find out, find you and what you're doing? Yeah. So um, I started my initial blog a long time ago, back at the early parts of my homestead journey, and it's still going strong. And that's theprairiehomestead.com. I have a hub of all the things I'm doing. You can connect to my podcast there and our videos and recipes. Uh, and then if you like social media, I do hang out on Instagram probably more than other places. And that's jill.winger is my handle. Uh, yeah, come over and I, I share all kinds of stuff, tutorials, recipes, inspiration. So I'd love to have people join me. All right. Awesome. Well, her podcast is old fashioned on purpose and you have a cookbook, right? The Prairie Homestead cookbook. I do. Yes. What am I going to learn to make from that? Well, all the things, and I, I really try to steer clear of any processed industrial ingredients. So it's just really simple uh, components that you can get at any old grocery store that are just whole food goodness. And um, just the basics that I feel like a lot of us maybe didn't learn as if we were, were learning how to cook as a kid, we did, we missed a lot of that, you know, in uh, the world of mac and cheese in a box and hamburger helper and cream and mushroom soup. So we kind of push all that aside and go back to the simplicity. And it's, um, yeah, it's been, it's, been very well received. I think people just want simple things that taste good. Yes. Amen. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This was such a blast. I appreciate this conversation. Hey, I hope you liked this episode. I have to say, since talking to Jill, I have definitely walked slowly through my garden more and I kind of use my yard and gardening as like a way to just connect with real life IRL like really real like I'm not looking at a glowing screen real and it's really um it is really grounding and wonderful um so I'm wondering though how you're doing how what are things you can do with your kids that's what I really want to know so if you can, tag me on Instagram at MindfulMamaMentor and let me know what you are doing and tag Jill and let her know what you think about it. That means all the world. So yeah, so let me know. Hey, as you know, those Apple podcast reviews, they make such a big difference. I want to give a shout out to Caitlin Englert Coaching, who left a five-star review saying, my go-to parenting podcast. I've been a longtime follower of Hunter's podcast. I stumbled on it when I was going through a tough time with my oldest. It really helped me feel less alone. Thank you for providing great tools and information for all parenting strugglers out there. So thank you so much, Caitlin. I really appreciate your review. If you want to leave a review, please do so. It just takes a few seconds. There's You can click on a link right where you're listening to this right now and leave it. Uh, since you're at the end of the episode, it's a great time to do it. So. And that's all I got for you, folks. I hope you have a great week. I hope you walk through your garden. I hope you, you know, maybe encounter some some vegetables or some farm animals this week. Maybe that'll be nice. Maybe I'll see if we can go apple picking with my kids. I think this is the time of year we can do that. That might be a good way to do this. So maybe, I don't know, let me know if you do that too. Um, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate you being here. Appreciate you being part of the Mindful Parenting podcast world. And I'm really, really glad you're here. And um, I know we have lots of things competing for our attention these days. So it makes such a big difference to me that you're here and that you're part of this, this movement, changing generational patterns. It's really awesome. So high five for you. Yeah. And me. Yeah. Oh, we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow. I hope you get some moments of peace this week, some rest, yeah, and time in your garden, touching the earth, and I will be doing those things too. For real, I will. And and I'll be back to talk to you again next week. So I'll talk to you then. Take care, my friend. Namaste.
I'd say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. And just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I have this. You can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it, who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. mindfulparentingcourse.com Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness, and I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.